Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to Believe in Softball. I'm your host, Jenna Becerra, and it's a big week for softball. I feel like I can say that most weeks during the season, but it just gets more and more true as we get further and further through conference play and even start thinking about postseason a little bit. And it goes beyond the college game too and into the larger softball community. So however you got here today, whether it was an audio podcast platform like Apple, Spotify, etc., or watching on YouTube, thank you. Subscribe and rate if you haven't yet. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Believe in Softball. That's B-L-E-A-V. Click the link in our bio on either page or go to shop.believe.com to purchase merch. Three shirts available for you, covering our bases, safer out, and catch you soon. All right, let's go through today's batting order. First, we'll be covering our bases. I'll give you some news and call-outs from around the softball world. Then we'll head into today's interview with Monica Abbott. She doesn't really need an introduction, but we'll give her one anyway in a little bit. But she was actually a guest back in season one, episode 12. That was three years ago. And now here she is back in season four. And this is our 113th episode ever. So 100 episodes later, a lot has changed. Then we'll end things with the foul tip of the week where we share tips to help us get better. All right, let's get started. Covering our bases. BetOnline.ag is your number one source for all your basketball info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines, including the latest player reports for this year's pro basketball playoffs. BetOnline is always your sports information headquarters this season, as we have you covered for all your sports wagering needs. Basketball, MLB, NHL, hockey, right to UFC and boxing. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games you can play right from home. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Be sure to use your promo code BELIEVE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Today, first, where I'm going to start is, you know what? We got the ultimate pro for today's interview, so let's start with pro ball today. First, I want to start with WPF draft takeaways. So first of all, let's just look at the first round. Four teams, as we know. And it went number one overall was OU's Alex DiRocco, the Michigan transfer who ended up going to Norman. She's going to the Oklahoma Spark. UW's Bailey Klingler going to the Texas Smoke. Pretty cool because she's from Texas as well. Number three was Tennessee's Ashley Rogers going to smash it sports Vipers. And then number four was UCLA's Megan Faramo going to the USSA Pride. So what a cool way to just start off the draft. It felt like it started off with a bang. But a few other things, too, that I just want to kind of call out from the first in-person draft that we've been able to experience for WPF, but also just in so long for pro softball. So there were some late steals as well. I talked about the first round, but if you look at the last round, there were a few where people were surprised that they were still on the board. Grace Lyons, the Oklahoma shortstop, she's a back-to-back national champion, didn't go to the last round. Montana Fouts, Alabama's pitcher, you know, we all know she's an All-American, but really the face of Alabama softball for the last five years. And then Jordan Rudd, too, the catcher from Northwestern. I mean, she was the 2022 Johnny Bench Award winner, a.k.a. catcher of the year on a national scale. So they were all steals, in my opinion, going in the last round. 
And then actually some talent that was left out of the draft portion specifically, it doesn't mean they won't play more. We might still be able to watch them. We still have the rest of their seasons this year in college to watch before pro anyway. But one is the other side of the battery for Northwestern, Danielle Williams, the pitcher. She put the team on her back that lefty did last year, taking Northwestern to the Women's College World Series. Then you have Alyssa Bonstrom, Utah, first baseman. She's an All-American, and Utah's been on a tear so far this season. Sydney McKinney, which people keep saying we're sleeping on her. Wichita State, shortstop, reigning batting champion, on track to do it again this year in NCAA softball. So a few people that we should keep our eyes on, too, just to see how things play out and if they'll get an opportunity to play beyond college. But some other highlights that just felt like really cool moments and elements to this whole thing. You know, the fact that Oklahoma City Spark, OKC Spark gets to play in Oklahoma City, the Mecca, we all call it this, for softball. It's Hall of Fame Stadium, where the World Series is. And it's cool because Storaco, as mentioned, the number one pick, you know, she's not from Oklahoma, but she's going to OU right now. She'll get to stick around in the state. And then Dels from Arkansas. This is someone that I know that one of our past guests, Courtney Dyfel, was very excited about actually worked at the stadium. She's from there, from OKC, hasn't gotten to play there before. And now she pitches for Arkansas and she's going to get to play as a professional in that stadium. So awesome. Another thing too, as we've talked about before with just the WPF teams, the MLB player, Brandon Phillips. So him, him investing in women's sports actually just in general is something that's worth calling out every time. And then his wife came from women's basketball as well. And she's a pro wrestler. So they were there at at the draft too. And I think it's just a key call out something that they brought up themselves too. Is that like, yeah, hopefully more major league baseball players will end up investing in this sport for women. Jerry Glasgow, also the Louisiana and Vipers head coach. When he was asked in the post draft show, how men can support women. He said, let's just do what we can and then get out of the way and let women lead softball, because that's really what softball is, is a women-led sport, which I, I like that answer. I thought it was it was a really thoughtful response. And then you think about Kelly Crutchman, for example, over a decade of a career that she had with the pride when she played. Now she's head coach. We all know about her legendary experience with Team USA, at Alabama, et cetera. And so now that she gets to truly pay it forward, pay it back, with that exact team that she played for is really, really awesome. So it was really cool to just see her there and just sort of what she symbolizes as well. And also just the post-draft show, credit to D1 Softball, led by Tara Henry too. I mean, they had owners, coaches, current players that are already on these pro rosters come in that they got to talk to. And I think that was a really cool element that was after the show as well. And as I mentioned last week, what I was looking forward to, the drip was there. Power suits, cool shoes, like people came out with some good fits. And I was excited to see that just show up the way that I hoped it would. And just like to give a little bit of oomph and like a little bit of a lift for professional softball players. Opening day is June 15th. So get ready to see these four teams, the Spark, the Vipers, the Smoke, and the Pride play. Then also, let's not forget, the Athletes Unlimited College Draft is coming up. So it's going to be May 8th at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on the Athletes Unlimited YouTube channel. So AUX is going to run right after the World Series, June 9th through the 25th, but then season four starts July 28th through August 27th. So we'll get another draft for some more pro softball too coming up soon. The second thing that I wanted to bring up, I mentioned it briefly, is Utah's success. This is a team, like for context, that were picked eighth 
in the Pac-12 preseason coaches poll. And they right now, going into this weekend, are in second place outright by themselves. They've already surpassed their win total from last year. We are just over a little halfway through conference play. They were 27 and 27 and just missed postseason last year. Now they're already 29 and four going into this weekend. And it is their best Pac-12 start ever since being in the conference, which is the first season was 2012. So just thinking about this, though, I love to see when the underdog comes out on top or is coming out on top because they still have a journey in front of them. But I like to also figure out how, like, what is it that's helping them do that? So my latest article with Softball America came out this week. It's called How Utah is Stepping Over the Line This Year. Talks about a few different ways that they're really making it happen. I mean, they're very scrappy. They have a growth mindset from the top down with head coach Amy Hogue. And there is a balance of power in terms of the staff, but also just the leadership from everywhere and every class that they have. So learn more about how they're doing it and what their motto is this year, step over the line, what that means. And, you know, got some huge Pac-12 series coming up, like I said, with Washington, UCLA, and Oregon, who are all ranked. So is Utah. So it's going to be fun to watch. So take a look at that. It's on my Twitter and as well as um, Believe in Softball's Twitter has also retweeted it. So easy to find there or just go to softballamerica.com. Third is my broadcast schedule this weekend. Had some midweek games this week, like I mentioned in the last episode. This weekend, calling the Cal-Stanford series in Palo Alto on Pac-12 Network. It's the Battle of the Bay, you know? Rivalries hit different. I say that all the time. And you have two All-American alums in Chelsea Spencer and Jessica Allister going at it, leading their teams. Like, they played against each other in college. They respect each other a ton. But they are two of the most competitive people that I have ever met (laughs) And I've had them both on the show before. I mean, Alistair a couple of times. She was on earlier this season as well. But also just getting to watch them both be change makers at their alma maters to improve those programs every single year since they've been there has been outstanding. So you just don't want to miss this one. Definitely tune in. And then to bring it home, another exciting thing happening this weekend, our guest, Monica Abbott, going to be in Knoxville. Tennessee is hosting Florida back on Rocky Top for this SEC series will be Monica Abbott. She's debuting something pretty special while she's there too. She's got a new book coming out, which we'll get into a little bit too today. So you got to keep listening and you'll get some more details on that. So stay with us to find out more from today's guest. And let's head into the interview. She is a legendary, newly retired Team USA pitcher, two-time Olympic silver medalist, 16-year pro, six-time Japan Softball League champion, five-time NPF League champion, (laughs) Tennessee Hall of Famer, four-time All-American, and NCAA record holder in multiple categories, the legendary lefty, Monica Abbott. How was that intro, Monica? Wow, what an intro. I mean, the only reason it was so long is because I played played forever. But no, um, thank you for that wonderful intro. And so glad to be, you know, back on the show with you. Yeah, well, trust me, it was. It took a while to even condense it down to to that. Um, but you know, wanted to reflect all the things that you've done because you've touched so many different parts of this game and left an impact. So I'm so Thank happy you. to have you back. Thank you. Yeah, you know, I've been blessed to be able to play. I had such a good career, right? I played so long, and um, a lot of doors really opened up to me. And you know, when you're 12 and you first start pitching or playing or falling in love with the game. Or when you go to college and you're like, wow, this is so fun. I'm doing great. Like this is, you know, it's competitive. It's cool. Like it's even a higher level than what you're used to. Um, At every different level of play, there's been different challenges, but also different opportunities that have come along with it. And I've been lucky enough and 
blessed enough to try to just continue to grow as an athlete. And, and I think as I did that, it helped me. Um, it really helped me continue to play through all those years and achieve some pretty cool stuff along the way. Well, yeah, the longevity of your career is also awesome. And even the last time we had you on the show was three years ago. We were talking about this a little bit before we started recording back in season one in 2020. So much has happened since then. Like, right. Like for you, I'm thinking Olympics, your wedding, and then now retirement also like so much has changed since then. But how's it been just kind of transitioning into this new retired life that you're in? You know, it's been, it's been really good. Um, I really can't, I I played so long and when it came down to it, I was kind of like, okay, here I am in my mid thirties and I'm like, okay, I could probably throw 70, 75 miles an hour um, until I'm 40, like 45, 50, like I could Tom Brady it. Like, why not? Like, why not? And at certain points of my career, I was thinking that, but then as I was coming into, you know, pre-Olympic, post-Olympic and everything, I started to think, especially in the last year, like this last 2022, this year, 2022, I started to think like, wow, like I'm out here playing, practicing, spending all this time training and to, to compete at this high level. And I love it. But I also started to get this like nagging feeling that, hey, like, the impact that you can have off the field, the impact that you can have by sharing the game in other ways now, besides just throwing a 75 mile per hour rise ball or, you know, a 53 mile per hour change up. Like, yeah, that's fun. And it's it's exciting to watch and be a part of and train for, but, uh, and you've impacted the current players that are, that are the pros and that are the Olympians. So how can you continue to impact the sport outside of the circle. And that's really what it came down to for me. I felt like, Hey, like I could go on forever throwing, throwing and throwing rise balls. But I think, um, for me, I felt like I could have a greater impact, you know, off the field, I could have a greater impact and help continue to grow the sport, right. To make changes, evolve, evolve it, um, and continue to evolve it and grow, uh, off the, off the, off the field. Yeah. So, or out of the circle. I mean, you know, I'm still going to be at a softball field somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, we, we know that, right? <laughs> yeah, well, because I remember sure. asking you uh, last time, I was like, well, whenever you do retire, like who knows when that would be, right? At that point. Yeah. Like, what do you think you would do? And you did talk a lot about that impact. What I think is cool as well is that you have already had that sort of off the field impact while you've still been playing. Mm-hmm. And now you get to just sort of like focus on that full time, which is really, really cool to see. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, there's, I think the hardest part is just trying to figure out how, right? Like there's so many ways and levels to, to contribute. So now I got to try to like weed through that. And I'm, I'm a beginner again. I'm kind of like in a weird place where I'm a beginning (laughs) retired athlete, but also still have so much knowledge because I have done so many things while I was playing. Like I did so many events and public speaking and, you know, education things and even TV while I was playing that like now I have all these different types of tools and experience. And I just need to figure out where, where I feel like my time can be spent the best and where I can feel like I can have the biggest impact in um, as well. Yeah. 
Well, your retirement announcement video, I think, had such a big impact. Like, it was so emotional. It was personal. And I mean, were you overwhelmed by all the support you got? Because I saw so much on social media and just all over the place. Yeah, you know, um, yeah, I really was. It was that retirement video. I mean, gosh, it was it was hard to it was hard to film. Actually, I first I think I had to come to peace with the fact that I, that I wanted to, and I was, I was going to retire. So I had to come to peace with that first before I could even record the video. Right. And then how do you, how do you sum up (laughs) your, how much you're invested? How do you sum up your investment for like 30 years playing the game? Right. Like trying to push the game forward. How do you sum that up as an athlete? And I don't know, a minute. <laughs> like, yeah. That's hard. <laughs> that's hard. But it was really incredible to see how many people came out and um, just supported it me and just I mean, so many people messaged me emailed me text me called me all the things. Um, and people that, you know, I played with my rookie year versus like my senior year, my last year, you know, from high school all the way through like my last year of play. And it was really cool to to hear some of those stories and um, how the softball community really rallied around it. Yeah. It was awesome to just to watch and, you know, just see the appreciation, right? Cause we all feel these things and we all appreciate people who make a big impact, but in the big moments, that's when everyone expresses it, you know, yeah. <laughs> and that you actually get to feel it a little bit more. And that was very cool to watch that unfold. Yeah. When, um, it was kind of cool. And, you know, big shout out to Kirk Walker and Deb Hartwig from um, the Mary Nutter Classic in Palm Springs in Cathedral City. Um, you know, they really made it happen for me to be able to have my last pitch. And that was something I'd always wanted to do. I had wanted to have like a little tour or something where people could come to a last game. Right. Yeah. And, um, but, you know, when I had that, you know, first my last pitch, at the beginning of the UCLA OU game, um, you know, I threw that. And um, (laughs) when I walked off the field, that's like when it kind of hit me, it was like just tears. And I could see Deb and Kirk and even Lisa Fernandez, who I had played with, you know, way back when um, I was still in college and through the 2008 Olympic year and process. And just like, just like a sense of like, oh gosh, like, oh, the, it's, this is, this is the real end. Like this is the closing of like an era and it like, it gets to you. Like when you think about it in depth like that, like even now, like I, I'm like, don't cry, Monica, don't cry. <laughs> even now, like it's, I never saw myself as that, as an athlete like that when I was playing, I knew that I had unreal talent compared to other people, like later in my career, like I knew, wow, not everyone's throws 75. Like, why is everyone now <laughs> bending over when they pitch? <laughs> you know, like, yeah, you know, all those things. But I didn't realize it was in that moment when you could see, you could see and you could feel the emotion, not only from, you know, my peers, but from people from all ages, whether they were currently 12 year, years old in their first year of softball or, you know, they were coaches of, you know, one of the top teams in the country, like across all generations and ages. So that was really, really humbling and so heartwarming. It was really cool to witness. 
because it would even just the juxtaposition of like you there and everything that you've accomplished with the current players too on the field. And I saw you got to talk to them right too and, and have that connection. And it was just really cool to see that bridge between, you know, your time uh, in at least collegiately to Mm -hmm. what's going on today. And I was so glad that you had that moment too, because you had to have something, you know, it's like, it wouldn't have been fitting without some sort of moment. So I'm really, I know. And thank, you know, shout out again, just to like Kirk Walker, Deb Hartwig, um, and then the UCLA softball team organization for actually helping put that together because they were the host of the tournament um, and making it happen at that, that game, one of the biggest games uh, of the weekend. So, you know, just, I can't, I can't say thank you enough. And like, it's just so humbling because, you know, I didn't go to UCLA. Like I wasn't, you know, that wasn't my school, but I think just the class act of people in softball, like, wow, how much have, has this sport grown? And it's just incredible how we've been able to uplift each other and uplift this sport um, when we put that first. Yes. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And I totally I think the softball community is special. I mean, I think we're obviously biased when it comes to feeling that way, but still this was an example of that. You're hundred percent right. Yeah. Yeah. And even though you didn't go to UCLA or OU or those places that were at that particular event, you know, you were the first all American ever from Tennessee and you paved the way mm-hmm. for sec talent and that pipeline that today mm-hmm. has just grown tremendously So I know you said you've kind of reflected now, like now it's sort of hit you on your impact, but like, do you grasp the full impact of what you've had on that program and that conference really? Um, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I actually, I'm going to Tennessee. Um, and I think a lot of people know I have this book coming out. So last year I wrote this book about my life story and, um, the authors actually were big Tennessee fans when I played there. And I was really close with uh, one of their daughters who went to school with about the same age as me. And um, so we're redebuting it at the Tennessee Florida game and pretty excited about doing that. But they're also want to throw in like this aspect of, okay, Monica finished her career kind of thing too. And, you know, I feel like I I was in college so long ago. So like, in some ways I'm like, okay, yeah, I know I made an impact on this program. I know I helped it grow and evolve, but I mean, you got to think like as an 18, 19, 20 year old, like, <laughs> did you really like, that, you know, you almost have like this fake like persona because you're just like, there's no way it was really me. Like, was that me? Like yeah. I did that. Well, <laughs> it wasn't. And to that sense, it wasn't just me, but it's, I think, when you think about it, it's the supporting staff that's involved with you, right? Like it's those coaches, it's the athletic directors, it's the coaches that are playing against you. Like it raised the level, right? It raised the level because it raised the motivation and it raised the inspiration of other schools, of the program, of the university, of women's sports. And when you can raise, and when you can raise motivation, you can inspire so many things in people because they wake up excited, right? You wake up to excited to attack something and, and make a change. And I think it, when I think about my career at Tennessee and the impact it had on the SEC, that's what I think about. I think me going there sent some shockwaves through the, the softball community, but 
really what it did once I played, once I played and helped lead that team, it really raised the the level of everyone around me, um, of those support staffs, of the ADs, of the co- uh, coaches within the university and, and throughout the SEC. And when you can do that, I mean, that can create a ripple effect, right? That can create growth. Yes. And it's like you raise the motivation and that does translate to inspiration, but also like mm-hmm. investment to your point, yeah. like with the whole staff and, with, and all kinds of investment, time, effort, money, all of the different ways that oh, you can invest. A hundred percent, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. You know, like they open, they opened the Tennessee softball stadium, the current softball stadium the year after I left. I mean, and it's beautiful. It was one of it was the best stadium when it opened, and it's still you know it's still the best. But uh, <laughs> I think it's getting some updates <laughs> soon. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean it just yeah, it does. It really does. It, it creates that investment of time, money, and of effort. Yes. Yeah. And gosh, you've done so many things. So it's like I feel like I could skip around and ask you five thousand questions, right? But. <laughs> Looking now, because you started playing, to your point, with Team USA while you were in college, mm-hmm. and it was like a 20-year career with Team USA, and yeah. you were one of the youngest in that 2008 team at the Olympics, yeah. and then one of the oldest in the, the 2020 team in Tokyo. What do yeah. you think this, like the biggest things were that you learned about yourself and life, maybe, through that experience? Um. Yeah. So, yeah, I was the youngest in the 2008 Olympic Games. You know, I played in three different decades. (laughs) Yes. Should I be laughing? I don't know if I should be laughing or if I should. I'm laughing because I'm like proud, but also like a little like, oh, my gosh, did I really? (laughs) I think it's worth a laugh. You earned a laugh for sure. And, you know, and then in 2020, 2021, gosh, I, I would say... You know, I would say just if I can say anything, I always think about, you know, my professional career and I think one consistency, right? Like consistency made a huge impact for me. I mean, I can't say anything else, but consistency. And then um, the other thing was being able to uh, make small changes over a big period of time. I never made huge dramatic changes all of a sudden. I would just make small little changes small, and keep trying to adjust, adjust, adjust. Small changes over a long period of time made a great improvement for me. And then, um, yeah, I, I think those are, those are two of the biggest themes in my career. And then when something came up or whether it was good, whether it was a good thing or a bad thing, um, whether it was a you know, a door closed or a door opened for me. Um, I took it the same. Like I would give it my best effort and try to capture the opportunity when a door opened and um, challenge people. Like, hey, like um, you're only offering me this. Like, can I can I have this? Can I can I come back to, to this number instead? How can we get to this? Yeah. Uh, and negotiations. And at times during my career, people didn't like that I did that, but it was needed, right? Like, I mean, female athletes have value. Softball players have value. I think we see that, right? We see that on, <laughs> even with the in, in, uh, name image likeness, NIL. I mean, look, like, is Jocelyn Allo driving a brand new Toyota car all over Oklahoma? Was she last year? Like, I mean, 
all those things, like we're seeing that people have value, right? Um, yeah. And softball players have value. But when I was asking people, you know, maybe they didn't really like it. So that was tough. But do you just kind of like quit and give up? Or do you just keep kind of going slowly working the relationship and creating and just creating a space where it's comfortable to have the, not only the tough conversations, but to celebrate the good, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you want to celebrate a championship, if you want to celebrate, uh, you know, throwing 75 miles hour, breaking a strike, throwing a strike, you know, breaking a strikeout record, you know, if you want to celebrate something with a group of people, you sure as heck better be able to find a way to be comfortable enough to be able to have those tough conversations sometimes. Mm. And hopefully you don't have to have a lot of them. Yeah. But sometimes they're needed. They're needed to push you to be able to, to do something outstanding. That touches on just the authenticity piece too. Right. And Mm -hmm. like you're talking about consistency and it makes me think physically, absolutely, you know, in terms of training, but the mentally, like how you approach things and even emotionally, it sounds like, right. Like helped, like having that consistent approach has helped you throughout every stage of your career, which is great. Yeah. I think, you know, when you start to get too high or too low, that's when you start to really get peaks and valleys. Right. I mean, and everyone experiences them, you know, you get really high, you get really low. I mean, I've had them. I've had them. I experienced it a lot in college. I had to learn the hard way, you know, uh, I had highs of highs and lows of lows and you had to, I had to find a way to be, to be mentally consistent, like to be mentally consistent with my feelings and emotions and to channel them um, in a way that was productive. And it was productive. How cool is it? I read that in fifth grade, you said you were going to be an Olympic athlete someday (laughs) and that you actually did it. Right. No, I, I know. Right. Okay. Yes. And my, actually the book goes over that story, but like, how cool is it? So like, it's kind of wild in fifth grade. I don't know if they still do this, but the school I went to, they do state reports. Yes. Okay. And in fifth grade, like I hadn't been anywhere. <laughs> I hadn't been anywhere. So I was like, how about I could do like Nevada because it was next to California. I was like, that state's next to California. Like, can I pick Nevada? I did. And they, the teacher like drew, drew states, right? Like you got everyone and it was like a raffle kind of thing. I didn't get Nevada. Everyone put their top three choices. I think I put two. I wanted Nevada or Hawaii because I saw it on like a TV. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I didn't get either choice. I didn't get either one. And at this point, what's, what's crazy about this story is at this point I hadn't, So in the spring of my fifth grade year, um, that's when I had started pitching. That's when I had my first pitching lesson. The report that I was assigned in like the fall and it was like a year long report. So I get assigned, (laughs) I get assigned Georgia. (laughs) I was so mad. (laughs) I was so so mad. I was like, this state, why do I have to have this state? It's all the way on the other side of the country. Like, <laughs> I don't even know where that state is. Like, you know, I'm like, I don't even know where that state is. Like, who's ever heard of Georgia? Like, what? <laughs> and so I'm doing this state report and you have to like research all the things like 
when was it founded? What's it famous for? What industry? All these sort of things. And um, moral of the story, you never know because it was 1996. The Olympic Games were hosted in Atlanta, Georgia that year. And I got, I like wrote the governor and all this stuff. And they sent me pictures back with like the Olympic stuff. And I had just started like softball and pitching. So there was like, they had like a, the post office or something had like these promo stamps or stick like postage stamps. And so I convinced my mom to give me some for the report so I could get an A. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. So I got these stamps and I put them in the report. um, And it, there was like this special section on the Olympics are going to be hosted in Atlanta, Georgia in 1996. Like, and, um, and so I put, there was a little softball one and that was the sport I played at the time. Yeah. And it was due. So I put it and I wrote next to it, see, I'll see you there. I'll be in the circle. And yeah. And then I actually ended up doing it. It was my first year pitching and <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, that was my fifth grade state report. And who would have thought that, you know, I guess I, I made it happen by writing it down. Yeah. I mean, that is manifestation like to a T, but I mean, such a cool story. Like I have chills just thinking about how full circle that is. And so, so cool. Yeah, it was really cool. I mean, and then, yeah, I'll never forget it because I wrote it down in the report. Like I didn't want to write it. And my mom was like, Oh no, I bought you the stamps. Like (laughs) you need to write it. Like this was the deal, Monica. (laughs) That's so funny. (laughs) And of course, like when you're, you know, at that age, you're just like, Oh, I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. And I, but I wrote it in there. See you there. I, I remember I tried to write it like, you know, font was size 14 or size 12 reading font. And then like, see, there was like size 10 because I was like, I was like nervous. That it, oh, my like it. oh my gosh. That's so cool. Well, I'm yeah. sure your teacher eventually liked it later down the line. Yeah. yeah I got least. an A, so that's good. There you go. There Based you it. go. It's great. That's so cool. I'm excited to to read more like just of the entire story too. And so in terms of your book, we've talked about it a couple of times. It's mm-hmm. called Rise and Shine, the Monica Abbott story, right? And you said the release date's coming up, but just so everyone knows, like, can they, they can pre-order it on Amazon. Is that right? Yes, it's currently pre, you can pre-order on Amazon um, once the books are like in my, so the book, we're going to debut the book, um, the a, the Tennessee versus Florida series at Tennessee. So yes. that's going to be like the official launch party and stuff like that. And okay. then, so you can pre-order on Amazon currently, and then- once it after that following week if you want to get like a signed copy you can get that from my you would be able to get that from my website after it debuts um at the game so amazing that's that's kind of the deal it took me about a year to do um but it it's uh i think seven chapters it's a quick fun read 150 pages i think 175 pages nice um and there's seven chapters, which kind of go off the themes of obviously my story, but yeah, growing up, youth softball, how I got started, all those things like the state report. And then it goes into my college years at Tennessee and the SEC. Um, then there's the 2008 Olympic Games, the 2021 Tokyo Games, and then t- my international experience with Toyota and the Japan league. And then 
professional in the profession playing professionally in the United States and then um, women's empowerment. So there's a big, obviously I feel like there's been such a big theme over the course of my career and in my life, just like in my life in general of just women's empowerment, women's confidence, all those things, title nine, all those things that have made a difference in my life, but have also ran through my career, like the million dollar contract and all of that. Um, or the the world record of 77 miles an hour, like all those things. Um, so, and then the last chapters on that, the book is targeted to middle school and high school students, but there's a huge theme for anyone, obviously adult women as well that, you know, maybe have faced trouble with through what understand the women's movement and the women's empowerment struggle and why it's so important. Um, so yeah. That's I'm really excited. Time, the Monica Abbott story. <laughs> yes, I love it. Um, I mean, I'm yeah. so excited for it. And it's I love that you basically went from writing that state report to, yes, you went to the Olympics and then here you are writing a book. So it's like, let's take it even further, you know? That's I know. Amazing. You know, and then it's whenever kids, sometimes I'll get these random messages on, you know, hey, like I'm doing a report in school and I wanted to do it on you. Like sometimes they'll say this, like we have to do it, you know, as a report. I'm like, yes, I will answer. Yeah. <laughs> Let me prioritize you because <laughs> I love someone that. did for me back in the day. So yeah. yeah. Now we got to get some Monica Abbott postage stamps so that they can get their A, you know? Well, I don't think they use stamps anymore. It's just more like email now. <laughs> That's true. Good point. Good point. I just aged yeah. myself too. So there we go. Yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to, I didn't want to aid myself, but uh, I did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. But yeah, I mean, you said it too, the specifically the million dollar contract with the MPF and there are things mm-hmm. like that, that paved the way for women. And I loved uh, Graham Hayes's story um, on your retirement for D1 softball. Mm-hmm. And he, he basically referred to you as one of the things, because I love multiple things in it. But one of the things was he said it was the tail end of a generation expected to be thankful for whatever crumbs were thrown their way yeah. and the vanguard of a generation with the tools to demand better. Yeah. So well said and exactly what you were touching on before, which is, you know, people didn't like that I would push back and try to like negotiate and, and really try to push. But it mm-hmm. wasn't really just for you, was it? It was like for women as a whole, too, which is yeah. incredible. I think it really, like, I mean, I have tons of stories, right? And I'm sure, like, a lot of softball players, you know, before me and right around my generation do, um, you know, there was a lot of, like, hey, you should be grateful for this. Hey, you should be thankful for this. But at one point, you have to ask yourself, like, hey, like, do I need to be so thankful that I can't take care of this, this, and this? or my other responsibilities, like where does that draw the line? Um, And, you know, when you're blessed with a certain ability, I think it's also you're blessed blessed and have to take initiative to have a certain amount of responsibility too, right? Like you have to be able to push. I don't want to, I don't love that word push, but you have to be able to ask the hard questions, have the tough conversations and push for them to, be better, right? Be better, do better. Let's find a way. Let's let's not go back and say, "Oh, you should be grateful. You should be grateful." No, let let's find a way to make it better. Like, yeah. How yeah. can we do this? What do we have to do? Yeah. That kind of feels like when we talk about um, 
just always competing, even just as players. Mm-hmm. It feels like it's like you keep competing. You don't just give up, right? Like even right. if something's off that day, like, I don't know, maybe your rhythm's off in the circle and whatever, but mm-hmm. you're still going to compete to try to put the best pitch together that you can in that moment, right? Like even if you're not feeling 100% or even if things are hard, like you still have to compete. We all have to compete for ourselves and for each other in life, you know, to, and I don't know, not to compete against each other, but to compete with each other in that way. Right. Yeah. I think, yeah, you know, competition, you know, iron sharpens iron competition breeds competition. And I think that that can be a really good thing if used the right way. And but you can also direct it, right? Like you can guide it in the way that you want it. And that's the part that sometimes we miss. It's like, we're so caught up in competing, competing, competing that we forget about the, the way and the direction that we want to lead the competition. We want to lead that battle. Um, You can guide it, right? Like you can guide it to that, to a certain objective, as long as you know what that objective is that you want. Right. So there's that like self-awareness piece too. You have to understand that, like what, what is it that you want and what is it that we all want collectively? Right. Yeah. Well, you have been able to guide it in a very good direction um, (laughs) in terms of your career. I think we all know that. But when you look at like the Moniacs, you know, everyone of yours and even just people in general, like what is it that you want them to take away from you? Like, what do you want your legacy and hope that it is to be? You know, I think just like, Obviously, you know, talented softball player, right? But I think um, I really want them to be able to say, like, hey, she pushed the game forward. Like, she created better opportunities for me to be able to play. Um, Because she went through that, I could do this. Mm. Um, I think that is powerful. Um, uh, Because she started this, like, hey, now I know what it looks like, right? I think... I know what it looks like to be the million dollar arm. I know what it looks like to be a professional. Like, Hey, it's not just plain. I need to have, I need to have a newsletter. Like I need to have my own private email list. I need to, you know, maybe put on camps and educate. Like how can I diversify myself as a professional athlete? And what does that look like? Not only athletically, but off the field as well. Like how, how do I carry myself? How do I speak to the youth? How do I speak to parents? What standards do I hold? You know, what is the model? Um, mm. I think that's I that's what I, what I hope I was able to portray to multiple people. Well, speaking for myself, I, th- I think you have, <laughs> and I'm sure a lot of people would agree. But I also love your website because you just mentioned that as as a resource too to to see all the different things that you're doing mm-hmm. to impact yeah. the game. That's how I first heard about your book too. Was even yeah. just like oh, taking nice. a look at your website. You know. Also, by the way, this is kind of a side note, but I love you have the photos of you just mid pitch in like all of your different pro uniforms. Oh, thank you. Next to each yeah. other, and it's so cool just to see that because it's seeing the evolution and just all the things that you've done, um, at least in that case, in the pro level. And it, it was a really cool, like visual. So I just had to tell you that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. You know, I love that. Um, uh, actually Jade Hewitt helped me kind of create that creative creatively. Um, I had the idea and she helped me find a way to execute it. And it was honestly, it's kind of one of those things where 
I think you, you start to be able, you start to be known for different things, right? Like I was known as a USA player, you know, a scrap, a scrapyard million dollar arm player. Um, you know, I was known in the Chicago bandits, like yep. team USA. So how do you take all those and kind of relay them and evolve it over, over time? And that's, I think it's just one of those cool pieces. Like it really came out great. I'll probably ha- have it up there for the rest of the day, rest of my, my days. You should. It's awesome. And I also, for people who watch this on YouTube, they'll, they'll see what I'm talking about, but I love the photo of you in the back. You talked about how, you know, oh, oh, why are people bending over pitching uh, now after, Mm -hmm. you know, having seen you like on, on the main stage and you can see that kind of classic Monica Abbott uh, stance on, on the rubber and it's awesome. Yeah. 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 Cool. I love that. Yeah. That is funny. Right. Like, (laughs) but it's true. Like, I mean, I remember when that I first was doing that, you know, in college, it, it was on TV, the women's college world series. And everyone, everyone, I can't tell you how many people ask me, why do you do that? Why do you do that? Why do you bend over when you pitch? Now what's, what's going on with that position you start in? (laughs) Why, why, why do you, why do you do that? Doesn't your back hurt? Like, is it hard to hold? Like, does it actually work? And then about like a couple years later, I would get these messages from people and it would be like, Hey, hey, my daughter tried you pitching your pitching style and she totally threw harder. <laughs> You're like, this is what I've been saying, people. <laughs> I was like, it worked. <laughs> That's awesome. But, you know, it's, I mean, all in good fun. I think it's pretty cool. I mean, when I started pitching like that, I didn't mean to, for it to be like, you know, a game changing thing, but it, I think it's really inspired so many, so many youth softball players and people that are in college and even pros now right um across the board like pros in japan pros in the u.s pros in europe like everywhere so i'm really honored to see that kind of impact and that they that it translated across multiple multiple languages and worlds and communities because that's what softball does and that's freaking awesome that's so freaking cool right like well, and even if people don't do the exact same position you did, I feel like you still inspired people to be themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's like you were just being yourself. That's what felt good to you. That's what felt right to you. And now mm-hmm. whatever that looks like for anyone else, they're like, oh, she did that. I can be myself too, which that is yeah. so powerful. Definitely. Definitely. I love it. Well, I would talk to you all day and I actually want to, but I'm going to be respectful of your time because I know we have a few more minutes together, but um, to wrap up with everybody that comes on the show, I play just a little game called safer out. Okay. I don't think we got to do this last time. This was either brand new or hadn't started yet when you came on the show last time, but it's really easy. It's just, I'll bring up a a topic um, about softball. And if you like it or you agree with it, you call it safe. If you don't, then you'll call it out. Okay. Okay. So (laughs) yeah, yeah. You're an umpire, right? So you could be on the other side instead of, you know, the pitcher in this case. Um, Okay. So the first one is the leaping rule for pitchers in college, meaning college pitchers can't leap. The fact that that's can or can't, they they currently cannot like the current rule that stands safer out. Ooh. (laughs) Out. That's what I thought you were going to say. 
That's what I thought you were going to say. Because it's different Only than international, it's, right? It's legal. It's legal internationally. So why don't we make it legal if if Team USA is pulling from college college teams? They should f- try to follow the international rule book. Yeah. No, that's a good point. I just spoke with um, Laura Berg recently because I um, was calling the Oregon State Stanford series um, for Pac-12. And we were talking about, she was talking about certain international rules that she's like, I think we should just incorporate this in college, like to to help speed the game up and think like the one foot in the box, batter's box, stuff like that. Um, But anyway, yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Baseball, baseball stealing the softball rules. Like, why don't we just keep advancing the game? Yeah. 100%. All right, cool. Well, that was the first one. Second one is, you mentioned this briefly earlier, but NIL, safe or out? Um, Safe is stay. It should stay. Yeah, safe is stay. Safe. I think it's a great opportunity. I know, okay, here's the thing, my thought. I know NIL was meant for like the basketball, like men's basketball and, and football players probably those kind of people, but whew, is it going to change the game for women's sports? That's my opinion. I totally see that as well. Just because it's like, look at the visibility that can exist mm-hmm. now. Like imagine mm-hmm. if you and Kat and Lisa all had these types of things in place during your time, like game changer. Unbelievable. It literally, it literally chooses, it literally proves value. Yeah. It yeah. proves the value of women's sports and individual female athletes whether they're an individual sport or a team sport. Yeah, very true. All right. The last one is bat flips. Safer out. Mm, Safe. Really? Uh, Just Mm -hmm. the pitcher, the pitcher perspective. I'm always curious. I mean, I'm not going to say that I love it, but (laughs) I think that, yeah, I think it's good for the game. I think it's good. It's exciting. If my teammate did it when I was hit on the team, I would be pumped. It's part of it. I, you know, the whole like over the head Sam shell, like karate chop. <laughs> now that's, that's a bit much. Like, let's not do that. But like, Hey, like a little flip, a little, like a little, uh, style to it. Yeah. I'm down with it. I think it's good. I think it's good for the game. I don't know if anyone even has really truly had an opportunity to do a bat flip on you, but if they were to have, how do you think they you would have reacted? They wouldn't. <laughs> you're you're actually right. Like that, okay. <laughs> Let me rest in my retirement, in my retired life, like just knowing that nobody has or nobody did that I know of, or I didn't see it, <laughs> or I didn't see it. That is so perfect. Actually, I'm so happy that that's how we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up because that is spot on. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh well thank you again monica this was super fun i'm so happy to have you back on the show and um, i'm excited yeah. to see all that you do off the field now too yeah thank you so much and thanks for having me on and hey looking forward to the next time we connect sounds good can't really overstate how great it was to reconnect with monica again it's not surprising at all that after the huge impact that she has made during her career that she's already doing it and taking steps in her retirement to have a big impact Not surprised, excited to see what happens from here. So with that, let's transition to the foul tip of the week. This week's foul tip is about finding balance within. This was actually inspired by another pro pitcher on the baseball side this week, Mark Appel. Some of you might know who he is. He also went to Stanford, actually. We overlapped a little bit when we were in college. 
For some background, he was the number one overall draft pick for the MLB back in 2013. And he had some struggles and injuries, and he actually ended up stepping away from the game by the time 2018 rolled around. Some people said he was a bust, disappointment, et cetera, but then he came back to the minors, actually, in 2021 and made his Major League debut in 2022 with the Phillies, who then went on to the World Series. He was just released by the organization then this past spring. Needless to say, he's been through a lot, and he actually shares a lot of his insight from the journey that he's taken. And a recent example really jumped out at me. So he had tweeted a long thread essentially comparing maintaining balance in nature's ecosystems to maintaining a balance within ourselves and with our mentality. So the quote that really stuck out to me was this. He said, grace without discipline is enablement of bad habits in the name of compassion. But discipline without grace is perfectionism that leads to self-sabotage. Both are necessary, but they need to keep each other in check. Balance creates beauty and beauty creates joy. That's the kind of balance that is hard to strike. You know, it feels so elusive sometimes because how do you figure out a way to push yourself and sort of cut yourself a break at the same time? That's what it feels like you're doing. And I've tended in my life to err on the side of perfectionism. And, you know, if I'm in an interview or something and I'm asked like, well, what's one of your weaknesses? You know, you think you're you're really smart in responding by saying like, oh, I'm a perfectionist because you think it makes you look good. Like, oh, I just care so much, you know. But as I've gotten older, I actually have stopped thinking of it as a badge of honor the way that I used to, because I think it's really more so trying to control things that aren't necessarily controllable, which only creates stress and make things more complicated, you know? So whenever I've tried to control an outcome, it's almost always turned out worse than if I just went with my gut, gave it my best effort and let it play out. And I am not just talking about softball in this situation. So you might be thinking that you're doing the right thing, but it could actually be self-sabotage. So that part resonated with me. But at the same time, we also know that if we're giving ourselves grace for every little thing, it can just turn into letting ourselves off the hook. Like there has to be some level of accountability because without it, it's really doing a disservice to ourselves in the moments where we really do need some self-compassion. So like Mark said, you know, the trick is finding that balance and knowing when to do what. I know I'm still working on that every single day, but I love that he said that this balance creates beauty and joy because that's really what everyone wants in life. You know, at the end of the day, I mean, it sounds cheesy, but it's really true. That is success to get those things in a lot of ways. So that's it. Find balance within. That's the foul tip of the week. You've been listening to Believe in Softball, part of Believe Network and presented by Bet Online. The show is available anywhere you get your podcasts, wherever you listen, including Believe.com and YouTube too. Subscribe to the show, rate the show, and if you liked it, write a review. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Believe in Softball. Again, that's B-L-E-A-V. You can reach out to me personally on Twitter at JennaBacera01 and Instagram at JennaBacera as well. Thank you for tuning in and catch you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.